One of the biggest lessons that I've learned in this lifetime is that people pleasing can only take you so far. Over time, I've become all for trying to make everyone that I care about happy. But this does come at a price if you're not doing it the right way. When you're not being honest with yourself, prioritizing yourself and your needs, you do eventually lose yourself in your relationships with the other people that are in your life. And sometimes you don't get that same kind of treatment in return. These kinds of behaviors, though they may be coming from the right place, will also contribute to an increase in feelings of stress, anxiety, and depression. If you've ever been in a position where you've been a people pleaser, you may relate to my guest for this week, Eric. His story was actually one that I really enjoyed talking about with him because the thoughts and feelings that he had dealt with in trying to live through the expectations of other people and the journey that he's taken to become a man of his own, they've all been just so relatable for me. They made me think of my own personal experiences. And I have a feeling that you guys can also relate to him as well if you've ever been in this position. So with that said, we'll get right into it with Eric Lane. Please be advised that some of the material we'll be discussing today will include topics of substance abuse and anxiety. Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I guess let's get right into it. Tell me a little bit really about just yourself and your story and what got you here today. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, 28. Uh, I live in New York City. Um, grew up around in the area. And uh, I, I've just uh, always uh, tried to take the opportunity to, you know, tell my own story uh, just in case people, you know, are hesitant about coming out and uh, voicing what's going on in their own lives because I, I know I I struggled with it and, uh, you know, if I can help someone out by them hearing what I went through, then that, that's a good thing. So that's uh, sort of the main reason why I'm here today. Yeah, that's so awesome. Seriously, it it really does take a lot of bravery and courage to, you know, come forward and just say, hey, this is what I've dealt with, but this is how I made it through that. And there's something about being able to come up from just such trying times that's really empowering. So again, I give you a lot of credit for for being able to do this today. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, circumstantial, and everyone's experience is different. But uh, I, I think there are some, you know, generalities about how to treat yourself and uh, go about how you approach different situations that. I think uh, maybe people could learn from my story. Absolutely. So I guess where would you like to begin with that? Yeah. So just to give you a little bit of background on on myself, uh, I I grew up uh, youngest of four kids. So uh, a lot of people in the family, uh, a lot of chaos in the house. And uh, I grew up in a pretty affluent suburb of New York City. Uh, So being being the youngest uh, and being surrounded by all all that you know uber success uh, was a little bit difficult uh, for me at times and I I don't really think I, I started to find uh, myself and sort of things I enjoyed until I hit high school 
you know, I started started making friends, I started playing sports and getting involved in different activities and um, just made life easier. But at that same time, I started um, realizing this sort of perception of, of myself. Um, I, I started comparing myself uh, a lot more to other people in my life, whether that be family members, friends, uh, peers at school, um, things other people had done, and uh, basically just trying to set expectations uh, for myself. And while while I was in high school, I, I just kind of felt like I was barely, you know, just sort of barely grasping uh, those expectations, uh, I would say. But I, I sort of looked at it like I had plenty of time to make things right and you know live this ideal life whatever that was I don't think I even could have told you uh, (laughs) what what it was at that time but uh, whatever it was I I was chasing after it Um, from there I I went on to college uh, and sort of again I I followed in my siblings uh, footsteps we we all went to the same college uh, had the same major uh, played the same sports. And uh, so that, again, sort of reinforced this idea of um, holding myself to a standard that's informed by what other people are doing. Um, just when it's when it's right there in your face, mm-hmm. um, when you go home for, like, Thanksgiving and people are talking about the same experiences, you set an expectation for yourself and say, all right, this is where I'm supposed to go, the, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and then that was sort of reinforced uh, by the college atmosphere. Uh, you know, it's I went to a pretty good school. Uh, people are competitive. And when you look at your friend Joey and they're doing really well and they have this really successful internship, you say, well, shit, I, like I why don't I, should I be have doing that? that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, yeah, and it it sort of it silos your your options um, in your mind of like what what is successful and what what isn't successful. Like, oh, if I don't have this internship at like a huge bank or a huge consulting firm by the end of my junior year then you know i'm i'm a failure and i'm i'm fucked for like the rest of my life mm-hmm. um but you know that's that's sort of when you're living in a bubble like that um that mentality uh, can happen and uh i i sort of fell victim to that and uh tried to get uh caught up in that same world of you know the high high speed uh, business like investment banking and and things like that um, and try tried my hand at it and uh, I hated it <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah that was uh, it was a good mixture of two things the first one I would say is it was probably the first time in my life. I had like really, really objectively failed at something. Um, and that, and that's not to say I hadn't like, you know, screwed up stuff before in my life or like come up short, but 
to say like, all right, here's the internship, go out, get this job. Um, and I didn't, uh, mm-hmm. that was big setback for me. While in the meantime, I wasn't even processing the fact that I, I fucking hated this internship. Like I, I was purely just focused on the, the goal of getting it and then dealing with the setback of not getting it, um, regardless of whether or not it was a good fit or what I wanted to do. Um, it was purely just sort of that perception. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's, it's a bar you, you set for yourself. Like, you know, it, it's not like my, my parents or friends were telling me like, Hey, you have to do this. Um, it was, you know, I, I was telling myself just based on, uh, what, what I saw, uh, around me. Um, so that, that was, uh, something I dealt with. Um, but eventually, you know, came and, uh, found, found a real job, um, post-grad and, uh, ended up working in that, uh, job after I graduated. And I also, uh, fell in love, uh, with, with a girl and, uh, she moved down to the city where, uh, I was working and, um, I started out on, uh, sort of this real life, uh, journey. And uh, that that was pretty exciting for about the, uh, I'd say about the first year and a half. Um, you know, I was working at this new job. Um, you're, you're doing sort of dumb work, but, you know, you're earning your own paycheck and, and pretty proud of that. And then as my responsibility uh, started increasing, um, you know, it, it sort of became more in this like competitive landscape mm-hmm. again that, that I had found myself in and in college and high school and, and at home. And um, I just kept uh, feeling like I, I was coming up short on expectations. Uh, and it was sort of a confluence of different changes that made it worse uh, mm-hmm. for me. You know, I, I had a I had a change in who my boss was and I got paired up with uh, someone I I really didn't work well with. Um, And I just felt uh, a lot of burnout and uh, a lot of stress. And I I tried to, you know, turn to alcohol and and drugs to sort of numb that because I I would come back or uh, go, go see my girlfriend and, and want to think about anything but like work and the stress I, I was putting myself under. Uh, and the only way for me to sort of let my mind go was through the aid of alcohol or drugs. Um, mm-hmm. So that uh, became a problem too. Uh, and, you know, it's <laughs> drugs and alcohol are not, not usually the answer. Um, so I, I think if anything, it probably made my situation worse because I was just ignoring why I was feeling this way and why I was getting so stressed. And, um, I went and talked to a couple of different people I work with and they tried to give me advice. Like, you know, uh, 
you seem to recognize it. This is a job, just like any other job, you know, take it day by day and nothing was really getting through to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this all sort of culminated um, after I'd been working a year and a half in this job, I had my first uh, panic attack uh, at work and um, I had no idea what was going on. I went into uh, my boss's office, like crying, like sobbing. (laughs) Uh, And I I had to go home that day and go to the, um, like the minute clinic and say, I have no idea what's going on, but, you know, help me get this fixed. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really scary. And, um, became a, a catalyst for me to do something about all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started seeing a therapist, started, started taking um, SSRI drugs for depression, anxiety. Um, but I kept having these panic attacks like daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the worst part about it was the cyclicality of the panic attacks and what what i mean by that is having anxiety because you're afraid of having anxiety mm-hmm. yep so i i remember uh distinctly like going into a, a target with my girlfriend and i had to go like sit down because there there was like too much noise or like too too many people, and like I'm I'm six three, like I, I, I should not be scared of things like this. But mm-hmm. you know something was just holding me back, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And um, so yeah, trying to navigate that, uh, you know, with being in a relationship and trying to navigate that at work uh, became really difficult. And when you add uh, sort of the medication process into that, where you're trying to figure out which drugs help and which drugs hurt you, mm-hmm. um, drugs that are prescribed by a doctor, by the right. way, <laughs> not the other ones. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very much like a teeter-totter experience sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's really bad yeah Um, I've I've heard countless stories myself actually I haven't personally been through this but I know that when it comes to the the trial and error of going through different medications is definitely an uphill battle before you find something that that works yeah uh I I definitely agree and it's the the most important thing I, I could sort of say to someone when they're going through um, that experience is, you know, just be be honest with yourself and, and your body and your mind about sort of what you're feeling. I, I know when I first started out on um, on SSRIs, I, I was excited because I, I thought it was a cure, even though people sort of told me that this is going to be a uh, sort of months slash years long journey 
mm-hmm. um, trying to combat wh- whatever's going on with you right now. Right. Um, and so that that also led to frustration because you you want a quick fix, um, you want things to go back to normal, uh, whatever that is. But mm-hmm. it, it's sort of the absence of these uh, panic attacks. Um, but I I worked uh, I worked really hard at it, um, trying to stop it, and mm-hmm. uh, I I think I learned a lot of useful things about sort of being honest with myself and also controlling uh, my emotion. Uh, It's one thing I hadn't really noticed um, before going through all these panic attack episodes, but it's, I, I could lean really hard one way or the other, whether that's happy or sad, mad, scared. And, uh, I, I think recognizing that is the first step to, you know, getting control of it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Overall awareness, I think, is definitely the catalyst to being able to kind of rise up to the occasion more so because, you know, it, and it's crazy to think about, you know, the sequence of events that usually goes on in, in any day to day life that leads up to, you know, something as traumatizing as a panic attack, because it's like your body is is constantly telling you something and you're, and you're basically going against it. And when I say necessarily your physical body, I really, I, I kind of mean your brain at that point, because for example, like you mentioned, you know, you have kind of been, you know, taking on the early years of your life, trying to live through the expectations of, you know, your, your friends, your family, any other person aside from yourself. And those were like your body's first signs of saying, Hey, this is not right. And then the more that you defy it, the more that this energy just kind of builds up. And then of course, eventually you reach a breaking point, which, you know, then leads to the panic attacks. Uh, it's true. The, uh, the mental does find a way to uh, manifest itself in uh, the physical. Uh, Absolutely. That's for sure. And, uh, and I, I don't know if uh, other people listening have had uh, panic attacks, um, but it's uh, the different types. Uh, but the kind I would typically have is uh, this kind called derealization, uh, where you it sort of feels like a outer body experience. Your mm-hmm. your vision narrows, and and you feel like you're almost walking uh, through a dream, and like not really interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your your balance is way off, and it's uh, it, it's just not a uh, <laughs> a fun feeling overall. Um, but these panic attacks, uh, when I was dealing with them, sort of on a daily basis, uh, made it really hard to do anything. Uh, you know, I was calling out of work more and more just because I. I was like scared to leave my apartment, um, and I I couldn't explain why. Uh, that that was the craziest part, um, and so from there, uh, we had sort of my girlfriend and I at the time had developed this sort of dream of what was going to help fix all this stuff, 
mm-hmm. uh, all the stuff that was giving me trouble with the pressure and anxiety and depression and um, we we had this dream to uh, move west uh, move to uh, mount city near the mountains um, and uh, so that's that's what we did uh, and I I was of the opinion at that time that that would fix all of my problems. You know, mm-hmm. I'd be moving away from the pressures of my family and uh, sort of this this bubble of uber success that I had grown up around and like gone to high school around and gone to college around and and um, and so I said all right, I'm going to go do what I want to do. Uh, we're we're going to move out here and try and be happy. And then when we got there, uh, it just didn't feel uh, right to me. And I still just gritted my teeth and said, you know, this is, this is what you want. You're going to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, sort of trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole. Right. Um, I just, I don't think I was being honest with myself. Um, and so once, uh, we had gotten there, um, tried to find a job in the industry I wanted to stay in, uh, wasn't working out and, uh, my mental health uh, got worse. Uh, I had I had learned to deal with panic attacks and was having them much less often, but uh, I was still having pretty bad depression and was back on SSRIs after trying to go off of them. And so it was a it was a setback from the start. Once I had this big you know change of scenery mm-hmm. um uh and again just putting pressure on myself like i well one have to get a job out there because need money right uh <laughs> and number two uh was i wanted to make this work uh for someone else because if i didn't it it would hurt them and then the third reason was probably my own pride was, look, I said this to everyone I knew. Hey, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going to this mountain city and I'm, I'm going to live my happy life there. And when it didn't, you know, sort of immediately work out that way, you, you start to panic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that sort of, sent me back into the uh, drugs and alcohol, uh, unprescribed drugs. Right. I, I just, I wanted to run away from my own expectations. And that was sort of the only way to, I guess, loosen up my mind mm-hmm. that I, I could find at the time. Otherwise, I would just be, um, like, hating myself uh, right. all the time. Um and so I couldn't find a job uh, out there doing what I wanted to do um, and sort of what I 
thought would uh, make me happy and feel fulfilled career-wise. And so that took a toll on my relationship because I was, uh, you know, sitting at home every day, either applying for jobs or, um, you know, sitting around watching TV. Right. Um, And so my girlfriend moved out and I fell into a really bad depression. Um, And over the course of a couple of months, um, I wasn't eating, wasn't sleeping. Um, and, uh, the worst part of it all was I started to develop these, um, called auditory hallucinations, but in layman's terms, uh, you think someone is, you know, talking to you through the wall. Um, I, I had isolated myself so much uh and the only person i had to talk to was myself mm-hmm. and i don't know if you can't already tell sometimes i tend to be a little too critical of myself um and i i would just always hear this high-pitched nagging voice behind the wall you know, just bringing up different things. Almost kind of like bringing up all the things that you're like insecure about, right? Exactly. And I, I was so in my head uh, at that point that I was convinced it was real. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I thought people were like spying on me on behalf of like anonymous, like the internet hacker group. I, but I, I created this whole like narrative in my head to explain it. And um, I think and... that's one of the big things when it comes to anxiety is when, and I, every person that I've ever spoken to with that deals with anxiety, myself included, even we are, we become kind of obsessed with trying to find these answers. Yeah. Why am I feeling this way? Why is my body doing this to me? Why, why are these voices coming through the wall? And it's, it's almost like our subconscious is, is trying to say, say something to us. And it's, it goes right back to what we were just talking about before. We've gone, it's when we go against what our instinct and, and what our gut is telling us that our, our mind it kind of manifests its own way to, to kind of tell you, hey, this is why this is wrong. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, especially the, the way I was living my life at that time, just with the not sleeping, not eating lots of drugs and alcohol. And I, in a way that was probably my mind trying to communicate through my ears. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, you gotta chill. Right. Um, so I, I was in uh, a really bad spot. Um, my best friend who lives in the area too, uh, was really concerned, um, and came and sat with me and told me these voices aren't real. Um, my girlfriend came, uh, even though we were going through some problems, she was really concerned. And, uh, eventually they called my parents and my, uh, my parents, uh, came and said, you know, come, come home for, uh, 
for a week and, uh, you know, just, just relax. Regroup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did that. And, uh, once I was there, they sat me down and said, you know, Hey, it's been almost a year, uh, your, uh, go West, uh, experiment isn't really working out. Um, maybe it's time to come back and after some back and forth and a lot of tears, I, I agreed and, uh, I just sort of went numb, uh, from there, the process of, you know, I, I had come up short on, uh, another big thing and it, it, it felt like a, a huge blow mm-hmm. and I was in, uh, such a low place still, hearing these voices all the time, still beating up myself. But um, I moved back to uh, the East Coast and moved, moved in with my uh, parents, which was something I, I told myself I, I'd never do. Um, but the best part about all of this is when I got back, um, I was at ground zero. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a girlfriend anymore. Mm-hmm. I'd lost this pipe dream I, I had had for a couple of years of moving out to a different city and being successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, now I was at home. Uh, And, you know, I was still at the bottom. Uh, You know, it's, I I went and got like brain MRIs, make sure everything was okay. Saw new, new doctors and uh, still struggling. Um, But, you know things started to turn around mm-hmm. somewhat. I, I came back and more or less like immediately got a job and started commuting into New York uh, and then found an apartment with some great guys and moved in with them. And after a couple of months, I I looked at myself and I was I was happy and I had now I wouldn't say like more reasonable expectations but I had expectations of myself that I was happy with. Yes, I was just going to ask about that. Would you say that in that time that you were starting to realize you were becoming happier again? Would it? Would you say it was because you started putting your needs first around that point in time? Yeah, and it was uh, uh, a big part of it was I didn't really have anyone to sort of satisfy mm-hmm. anymore. Um, it, it was purely just a, all right, do anything, and then once I started do, doing something, I, you know, reminded myself, hey, I'm. I'm pretty good at this and better things just started coming. And, 
the bad stuff started to be less and less. My, my mind was so much more occupied with like sort of the daily routines that people do every day, you know, waking up, take a shower, brush teeth, go to work, do all that stuff, come back, hang out with your friends, family, go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just that, having sort of that schedule give, gave me so much more purpose than, uh, than I realized. Yeah. Um, you know, w- waking up and trolling LinkedIn uh, for like five hours at a time is not exactly fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but like when you go to work and you have projects and you have teams that you work with, their goals and you accomplish them and you, you feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's just basic human nature feedback and positive feelings. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I can necessarily point to any one particular thing uh, that turned this around, except for I, I was in a situation that uh, allowed my mind to sort of let go of all these inhibitions uh, I had had prior to this about what other people were expecting from me and uh, translating that into, you know, what, what I expected of myself, even though that may not necessarily be what I wanted or what, you know, my own ambitions were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so starting from that bottom, uh, I was able to build a sort of a process of goals and accomplishments that I'm, I'm much happier with and it's also much more reasonable (laughs) uh, I I have a much better sense of like what I'm good at and what I'm not and I'm just I I think at the end of the day I'm just so much more honest with myself about who who I am and you know what what I like and what I don't like yeah no absolutely and I think I completely agree with when you said you know, there was never like that one point that just turned everything around because anytime that we're turning things around in our own lives, I mean, it always is going to take some time and some work and, you know, it, it does relieve a lot of extra pressure when you don't have, you know, that person whose expectations you're just constantly trying to meet. I, I myself have even fallen victim to, to being in relationships where, you know, I would forget about my own needs because I was so busy focusing on the partner whom I just wanted to make happy at the end of the day. Yeah. And then there comes a certain point when you realize, well, now nothing that I do is ever going to be enough for this person. So what, what the fuck is the point? (laughs) (laughs) That's when you kind of start to learn to put your foot down and you start to realize that you need to just be living for yourself and yourself only. And once you start doing that, all the rest of the things that you want are sure to follow. It's yeah. just never going to be a linear process. And it's hard busting out of, you know, the, the grind of just trying to essentially people please, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, that brings up a, a good point too, because, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to 
lie and say hey, my life is like perfect now and still struggle with certain things but i think o- overall it's better um and that that is one of the things i i'm trying to learn uh getting back into the like dating scene and stuff like that is uh, how how do i find this balance of making sure i'm staying on my own path that took me so long to figure out um and then how do i share that and and give myself to someone and make sure you know help them on their path while also maintaining my own and that's um that's been uh, a little bit difficult uh, i would say it is tough but and it's crazy too because you know that's i feel like in the world of dating and the world of working it are the two things that really kind of teach you how to incorporate more of like a balance between you know what meeting the expectations of of other people and then outside of work that's when you start going okay so what what does eric need to get done what does taylor need to get done today in order to feel okay today yeah I, I would say uh, one of the other things I've gotten a lot better with is uh, I don't have as much FOMO uh, anymore. Like, if there's something I'm not interested in, I, I have a much easier time like saying no to it. And I, I don't feel as much need to sort of show up to things to save face. Uh, that, that has also, uh, helped me a lot. And, uh, the opposite side of that is doing things you enjoy. Um, a, a really good friend of mine told me once that, um, if a band or an artist you like is coming in town and you think you will know more than 50% of the lyrics to the songs, you should go to that concert doesn't matter if you go along because you will enjoy it. Um, wow. And I've gone to a couple of concerts solo and enjoyed them immensely. Um, but the point is to, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, you know, follow through on the things that you enjoy. Uh, don't, don't worry about the perception. Not everything needs to be posted on Instagram. Uh, you you can keep experiences to yourself and enjoy them for you. If anything, probably enjoy them more. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You may even make some friends. I really, really like that, actually. I think I'm going to start implementing that going forward because that's a really, really good way to look at it. Yeah. No, he's, uh, he's a smart guy. and uh, <laughs> He sounds like it. I have definitely uh, taken that advice to heart and uh, gone gone to uh, some good concerts. <laughs> I know. Now that inspires me. I'm going to start going on concert to concerts by myself now. It's, plus, it's settled. <laughs> plus, if you're turning up by yourself, you don't need to worry about like your friends looking at you for turning up too hard. Ooh, I like it. I like it. So. <laughs> Within safe safe guidelines, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> But Let's just twirl around with your arms out to make sure no one is uh, within social distance. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That <laughs> that was really, really awesome. So one thing I like to ask usually towards the end of the podcast is 
you know, kind of going back again to the American Psychological Association's definition of um, narrative psychology is that, you know, in telling our stories, it helps us, you know, come to terms with our past, understanding the present, and then gives us our, um, what your predictions of the future will be. So with that said, you know, what would you say is your current understanding of the present? My current understanding of the present, um, I, I would say I have a much stronger appreciation for the relationships uh, I have in my life, uh, particularly my family and my close friends. Um, where I thought uh, I was getting so much pressure um, and, you know, was the root cause of all my problems was actually support um, mm -hmm. from them. And I was creating that pressure on, on my own. Um, not to say that, you know, those people didn't push me because mm -hmm. that's what you want from supportive family members and supportive friends. You want them to push you to be your best. Yep. But, and then if they don't, if they're just letting you kind of do whatever you want without giving it a second thought, then, you know, maybe those aren't the right influences to have around you. Or at the very yeah. least, you can still have them around, but just keep them a little bit out of a distance. Yeah. But I, I, I would say, yeah, the most important thing is um, I appreciate the, the people in my life um, so much more because they've, they've been there for me through thick and thin when I've had good opinions about them, bad opinions about them, but those people have stuck around. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I don't know. I, the other thing I would say is um, I, I've just learned to be more okay with myself and things sort of pass by me um, a lot easier than they would have. Mm -hmm. uh, if if that makes sense just in terms of you know like for for example if if you got like a bad grade on a test or something like you let it ruin your day mm -hmm. um like i i would have that experience and it would it would ruin the next three days for me right um and so i've learned to like scale that back uh and that's a much more important tool than I realized initially is the ability to be like, all right, I screwed up. What did I learn from it? How am I going to apply it to the next situation to make sure this doesn't happen again? Or at least, you know, try my best to make sure it doesn't happen again. For sure. For sure. And then based on, you know, everything in, that's happened in your life, and everything that you have learned that got you to this point, what would you say that your predictions of your future would be? My future, um, my future, I, I would just hope that I, I keep the perception of being an honest person. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's the most important thing uh, I've learned. Uh, again, being honest with others and, being honest with yourself. We, we all have faults and shortcomings. Um, but I think being aware of it and trying to do something about it, and being proactive, uh, 
says a lot about a person. Um, mm -hmm. And when you approach other people mm -hmm. uh, with that honesty, uh, they trust you. And then you, you make that connection like I was talking about before with my family members and friends where they want to push you, but they support you uh, at the end of the day. So in five years, um, I hope, I hope I have an idea of what is going to make me happy mm -hmm. and not to say that I'm not happy right now, but I think it's important for people to have something to work towards. Agreed. Completely um, agreed. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. You, you need to have a, uh, a good balance of complacency and ambition. You know, smell the roses, but also uh, check out the store next door. Yep. Yep. I like that a lot. And are there any last thoughts that you would want to share with the listeners? So be, be brutally honest with yourself because it doesn't cost anything. Um, record, record yourself and listen back to what, what you have to say. Uh, in my own experience, uh, I have a couple of videos that I took of myself at the lowest points of my life where I just talked to the camera for 20, 30 minutes. And no one's seen those videos from me. Mm -hmm. And I cry, I laugh, I give an update on what's going on. And now I watch those videos back um, probably like once, twice a year. And I'm, I'm so proud of myself. And that's, that's an uncommon phrase for someone to say. I'm proud of myself and to actually meet him. And um, I think it's a good marker and a good reminder of who you are, where you've come from, and hopefully an indication and of where you're going. I like it. Absolutely. Then that's completely true. Eric, seriously, thank you so much for coming on and opening up yourself and your story for, for all the listeners out there. It, I know for a fact that this is going to help some way, somebody in some way, shape, or form, and it's going to help really with their overall decision-making and overall self-awareness going forward. And seriously, you should be really proud of yourself for everything that you've accomplished to get here. I appreciate it, Taylor. No, it was, uh, it was fun. <laughs> Obviously, it's uh, it's a uh, different kind of fun, but um, no, like a therapeutic I, I kind of fun. It is. It was therapeutic. <laughs> the and the this is all free, right? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I promise. Uh, you'll just get your invoice in the mail. Uh, yeah, soon. <laughs> in, insurance will take care of that. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I appreciate you having me on and uh, enjoyed this uh, experience. Enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. All right. You too. <laughs> hey, bye. All right, guys, that wraps up today's episode. I hope that this conversation was helpful to those who may have needed to hear it today. 
If you are someone who is dealing with anxiety, stress, and depression, check out the links in my bio for the episode to find helpful resources. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure that you take a deep breath, unclench your jaw, release those shoulders, and drink your water. Take care of yourself today. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Oh,